At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Newish. Everything's changed, have you? Where we're celebrating that in Christ, we have been given new life. The only question is, are you living it? Let's turn to Romans chapters five through seven to decipher whether we're living in Christ's freedom or trapped in the patterns of our old life. here this summer are worth celebrating. We have to say thank you to God so uh, fervently and frequently with all the things that he did. Uh, and I'd also, whoever is taking the minutes, the church recorder, I'd like them to know that everybody else took time out of the sermon today. I'm still going to preach a full sermon. Amen? No, a couple people. That's all right. It was a joke. It's all right. It's going to be a little bit faster today. I'm grateful to be back here after you guys allowing me to go on vacation with my family uh, last week. It was great. Yeah. Today is Rachel and I's 11th anniversary, uh, so wish her a happy anniversary. Amen. So we're going to go really fast today, which is already making me a little itchy. I don't like to go fast through the Word of God, but I need everyone to hear this and repeat after me. Read the Bible for myself. Read the Bible for myself. Romans 1 through 5 is your homework, okay? Amen, everyone? Romans 1 through 5. You need to read the Bible for yourself this week. So we're going to be in Romans 5. The kids just helped us a little bit with verses 3 through 5. So if you got your Bibles with you, turn it to Romans 5. We're going to look at the first 11 verses today. So Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. Uh, and you can help me preach today. The, they say that the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. But God's way to everybody's heart is through their mind. God's way through everybody's heart is through their mind. And you may be uh, tempted to disagree with me right now about that. But our God is the one true God who is a God of truth. And if we do not know who he is and what he has done for us, then our hearts will not be as impacted as they should be because our God is a God of truth. You need to know and become aware of all that he has been doing for us throughout all of eternity, that God has been working on your behalf before you were ever even alive, before you came into existence, before you ever even became aware of him. God has been working on our behalf. And there's just a brief testimonial of a family that will remain nameless, but we as a church staff and church family, we prayed for what God would do uh, last year when the kids weren't going back to school and we didn't know what was going to happen throughout the summer. And there was a family who must have uh, heard God speaking to their heart who lives in another state, who's like loosely attached to Woodside, who gave tens of thousands of dollars so that we could have kids programming like this this summer, right? So when you hear a story like that, you don't need, you don't need to clap your hands, it's okay. When you hear a story like that, your heart should say, I have a gratitude in my heart that God is working even though I don't see it. And I want to be near these people or this person that is working on my behalf even though I don't see it. And this is exactly what the book of Romans usually does in people's hearts and minds. It is an explosive book filled with strong biblical text that when you find out how helpless you were but how helpful God has been to you, even not including all the events of your life, there ought to be nothing we want to do more 
than get to know him. There ought to be nothing we want to do more than get close to him because what makes our lives and our stories, all of us, no matter the detail, matter and find their deepest meaning and joy is how the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit of the living God, shows us that all of our lives can share this same moment and it is the crucifixion, resurrection, and return of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So we're going to be studying Romans for a long time, so I'm going to go really fast through the text today. Uh, but we're going to be in Romans for three straight months, okay? Everybody say three months. months. Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 for the next three months. We're going to be in four chapters of some of the thickest, heaviest, and juiciest portions of the New Testament. Amazing things uh, come out of here. And to quote um, a very famous local figure who's probably polarizing, uh, how many of you are Jim Harbaugh fans? Wow. Go Blue. Wow, you just hit... Really? You added the, okay, yeah, he's the, he's the head coach of Michigan football. Uh, and when he, some people are giving fist bumps. Yeah, you guys beat Western. It's okay. It's not that big of an accomplishment yet, right? I, I had to, right? Uh, but when he came on the scene, and this is what I want us to think of. When he came on as the coach, he said, we are going to take the field with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Now, when we hear the truths that are found in Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, this should bring out of you an enthusiasm unknown to mankind because these are some of the most amazing truths that you will ever hear in your whole life. And this is going to be very revealing, even in this relatively short sermonette today. I'm going to take about 15 more minutes. It's going to be very revealing about who God is to you based on how you see yourself. Because the saddest reality is that pews all over the world in churches are filled with people who have not authentically accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior yet. People who just go to church hoping something's going to change. But accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is when your life really changes. That is when your life truly changes. So Paul has this burden on his heart as he's writing this letter to people he's never even met before. The Apostle Paul, about the year 56 or 57 AD, is writing this letter to Christians in Rome. Most of them likely were Jews, some of them Gentiles. And he's writing this letter and has a burden on his heart. And for the first four chapters of this book, he's talking about humanity's unrighteousness. He's talking about how sin has entered into the hearts and minds of every person. Read Romans 1 for yourself and you will find out. And then he talks about God's righteous judgment, that there is unrighteousness throughout humanity, but there is a righteous God and a righteous judge who has given us the law, and the law has led to legalism in many places. The law then leads to grace and primarily justification by faith. Everyone say justification by faith. Alone. Who had it alone? Well done. Very well done. Absolutely. Justification by faith in Christ alone. Justification by faith in Christ alone. So Paul is giving this quick summary that is the best news ever, that nothing else that you use to identify yourself is more important than how the cross identifies you. 
whether it's political affiliation, whether it's how much money you have or don't have in your bank account, whether it's your skin color, your ethnicity, what job you work at, what car you drive, uh, whether you are slave or free, Jew or Greek, Gentile or Jew, male or female, Paul is continuing to work this out throughout the book of Romans, that there is an inclusion at the ground that is level at the foot of the cross. Every single one of us, every single human being ever is even at the foot of the cross. And that brings us to really our big idea for today as we look at the first 11 verses of Romans chapter 5. And the big idea is either going to be astonishingly refreshing to you or it might be offensive to you. So be prepared to be refreshed or offended by the big idea today. The big idea is simply this, God only saves bad people. God only saves bad people. Now, you're refreshed by that if you say like, oh yeah, that's me, and I need help. Thank you, Jesus. You are offended by that if you're like, well, I, I don't want that God. I don't need that Jesus. I'm just trying to level up my life. I'm just trying to do a little bit better. I'm trying to avoid the suffering and the bumps in the road along my life. I'm not a bad person, right? Nobody's perfect, right? The problem here with that and why this is offensive potentially to people is that it depends on the way you look at yourself, the way you look at yourself. Because what scripture teaches abundantly and redundantly throughout its pages is every single one of us in this room is a sinner. Zero amens. Wow. <laughs> I know, it's okay. Uh, but as we look at that, here's the, the big problem about that. Unfortunately, when we look at that word, sinner, we mostly take it as a joke now. We mostly use it as, as like, you ate all the kids' Halloween candy? Oh, you sinner. You never or rarely ever see it used as man commits serious crime because as we know, he's a sinner. The Apostle Paul in Romans 3 says, no one is righteous. No, not even one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. I've never met anyone, myself included, who can say no to the question, have you ever broken God's perfect law? So that's what a sinner is, and that's who we all are in this place. And Paul is writing this letter to help them identify, the Roman Christians, help them identify themselves as sinners because we can be so superficial about our position fallen short of the grace of God and the glory of God. We can't do it by ourselves. And usually we say like, oh yeah, I'm a sinner, nobody's perfect, right? And it's kind of like a get out of jail free card, right? But if you try that uh, with anybody else, husbands, if you were to try that with your, with your wife, right? Like, oh honey, I'm sorry I embarrassed you in front of all your friends. You know I'm a sinner, you know nobody's perfect. She would respond with, yeah, you're right and neither is the couch and that's where you're gonna be sleeping tonight, on an imperfect couch, right? One of the biggest reasons the gospel doesn't transform our lives deeply is because we never come to grips with how deeply sin is embedded in our hearts. One of the biggest reasons the gospel does not transform our lives, it's not the gospel's fault. It's our fault for not acknowledging the depth of our sin. And that's why we're calling this series that we're going to be in for the next few weeks, New-ish. Everything's changed, have you. Right, Because Christians, real authentic Christians who have put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior are never new-ish. 
You are made brand new, entirely new. The old has passed away, a new creation has come. But so commonly what we see and so painfully what we see is that people say they accept Christ or they're a Christian or they go to church because they just want to be a little bit better, right? Because they just don't want to curse as much anymore or I just don't want to drink as much anymore or whatever the thing externally is. And we become new-ish, that just a slight change in our life comes. And friends, that is not good enough. Jesus did not die so you could become new-ish. Jesus hung, bled, and died so we could become brand new, entirely new, completely whole, totally healed. And we are going to run through three brand new ways, brand new benefits that God's salvation helps and impacts sinners like you and I. So uh, the sign hanging on the sermon today is only sinners welcome. So who's going to come? The way that you understand your own sin is going to dictate and impact the way you understand your Savior. So we're going to look at Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read it all, and then we're going to blow through these three points. And you need to read the Bible for yourself. Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. The words will be on the screen behind me if you don't have your Bibles open in your lap. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Verse 6, for while we were still weak, At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is an amazing text, church. This is an amazing jam-packed scripture with all kinds of things in there, but you've got to read the Bible for yourself. The first thing that we see is that the war has ended and access has been granted. The first two brand new benefits that we see, repeat after me, peace and access. Peace and access. So Paul opens by saying, since we've been justified by faith, that is basically what Romans 1 through 4 is all about. Again, whenever we see the word therefore in Scripture, you need to ask the question, what is this there for? He is summarizing verse, uh, chapters 1 through 4 by saying, we've been justified by faith. And he is writing to these people whom he's never met before to practically clarify the gospel's doctrinal effects. He's practically trying to show them that at the foot of the cross, everyone is equal. And no one will receive justification by the ways they think they're going to receive justification. For the Jewish Christians, he's telling them that circumcision nor legalistic observance of the law is what is going to make you justified or righteous. 
And he's telling the Gentile Christians that upholding the pagan Roman Empire's rules or laws or virtues that were so common in the Roman Empire, that will not justify you either. That the only thing that can justify you, the only thing that can make you declared by God righteous is faith in Christ alone. And as we look at the effects of this justification over the next 12 weeks, we see peace as the first one. Peace with God is something that is so amazing and eternally external, right? External from ourselves. No one in this room can make peace with God by themselves. Most of us, if not all of us, have experienced the peace of God. You're going to walk outside of this building today and experience the peace of God. Right, Because it's going to be a nice, sun-shining September day, and it's not raining hellfire and brimstone on you. It's just the peace of God that you are experiencing. But the peace with God is that a war has ended. Again, read Romans 1 for yourself. The Apostle Paul painted a grim picture of the war that humanity is at with God, the war that God is at with sin, the war that God is at with the devil, but the war that we have to chiefly understand. Repeat after me. The war I am at with God. Every single one of us is at war with God until justification by faith comes in. This is where the best news ever comes in, where peace with God comes in. Peace with God doesn't change day by day. Peace with God doesn't change based on how you feel about him. It is external. It is something that only he could have provided through his son Jesus on the cross, delivered to you by faith. This peace with God that you can actually have, meaning the war has ended, is that you can actually rest in God, knowing you don't have to try to achieve peace with God. You don't have to try to do this by yourself. Only through faith in Jesus can this happen. And then you get access to God, especially privileged access to God. Because if you don't have peace with God, you do not want access to God. If you do not have peace with God, the only access you're going to have to God is his displeasure and his wrath. You're going to get what you have coming to you for your sin. So we have to have justification by faith, peace with God, before we can get access with God. We would be running from God, as many of us probably recognized in our pre-Christ life that you were running from God. Some of you are running from God today. You don't want to be near God because you want what you do in the dark to be kept in the dark. But everything done in the dark will make its way to the... And Jesus says that they don't want their deeds to be shown. They don't want the light to shine on their deeds because they know that it is sin. We are running away from God. That is how you can know that you are still at war with God. When you have peace with God and you know you have access to God who is not some taskmaster in the sky, who is not some mean old cosmic judge who's looking at your rap sheet saying, here's how I'm going to punish you, here's what you're going to get for all of your wicked deeds, and you know that the access you have is to a loving father who declares you loved, who declares you healed, who declares you whole, who declares you righteous, even though you're not totally righteous yet, amen? You are declared righteous forever. Paul has established that every single one of us in this room is a sinner, but if we have received justification by faith in Christ alone, the war has ended and access has been granted. Apart from Jesus, church, apart from Jesus, you will only experience God's displeasure. Apart from Jesus, you will only experience God's wrath ultimately. Because he will judge you according to your sin. 
You may experience the peace of God, but peace with God is something entirely different. I got to keep moving. I could stay on this for three weeks. Uh, Another brand new benefit that we receive from the salvation that is offered to sinners like you and I is that suffering has misfired and hope is alive. You just saw the kids quote Romans 5, 3 through 5. If the children can memorize Romans 5, 3 through 5, go ahead and say, I can. Wow, some of y'all just, I'm telling you, an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. That's how you need to approach this with. If you don't approach this with, you're going to continue to have dead faith. If we don't approach it like this, we're going to continue to have dead faith where we just come to church and hope our life gets better. No, we have a Father in heaven. Suffering has misfired and hope is alive. Raise your hand. How many of you believe that the words rejoice and suffering go together? Only if you've been justified by faith will your hand go in the air for this. If you have not been justified by faith, you do not understand the gospel principle that suffering has misfired. Suffering is not our undoing. Just because you're having a bad day does not mean that God is not sovereign. There is a virtuous chain reaction that happens when you've been justified by faith. That the suffering that you endure, newsflash, like your Savior Christ endured, is going to produce something in you. Endurance so you can keep going. Character so you can keep going with a good attitude and then hope so you can say I know that I'm going to be delivered from this one day I know that I can keep going and I can obey Jesus all the way right away and with a happy heart this is what I teach my children obey all the way right away and with a happy heart suffering produces endurance endurance produces character character produces hope and this hope does not put us to shame one bible commentator says this Christians are like tea bags That you don't know how strong they are until you put them in some hot water, right? That you don't know how strong of a brew you've got until the Christian gets put in some hot water, right? So don't be afraid of suffering. If you are afraid of suffering, perhaps you need to evaluate, have I been justified by faith? I get it. I know we don't want to suffer, but what does the Bible say about suffering for righteousness sake? Persecution for righteousness sake. God says it is a blessing. God says it's one of the best things that can happen to your life because if you suffer with Christ, you are glorified with Christ. God's wrath and Christ's righteousness don't go together. So if you have Christ's righteousness on your your life, it has absorbed God's wrath. But here's the question you all have to answer. We all have to answer. How do I know? How do I know that what I'm hoping in is the right thing? How do I know that I have experienced the endless love of God like the kids just told us? This is the quintessential when you know, you know moment. No one can convince you that you've experienced the love of God poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit. Do you know why? Because if you have, you don't need convincing. If you have experienced the love of God authentically poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit of the living God, nobody's got to convince you. You've got a joy that is unspeakable. You've got an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. And how do we know this, right? We know this because when we hear God's voice through the power of the Holy Spirit in our heart, we know it is our Father's voice. It's like the voice of my wife, Rachel, right? When she, when she says rye to me, right? When she calls me that, she calls me other things sometimes too, right? But when she calls me rye, I know there is a deep sense of love and care and her life is dedicated to caring for mine. And I hear that and I know. And I don't even have to convince myself like, oh, I should probably listen. 
or I should go do whatever I'm supposed to go do right now. Because when you know, you know. When the love of God has been poured into your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will know. This is how a true Christ follower would feel. And I, along with you, know some folks that have been in church a long time that would never speak this affectionately about God their Father. Because it's all up here. Because the love of God has not been poured into their heart by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a hard reality, and I'm not trying to challenge anybody here. I'm just reading Romans to you, okay? Romans is challenging enough. All I've got to do is read it to you. Perhaps people have never experienced or received the Holy Spirit of the living God because they've only been made new-ish. The old has not gone. The new creation has not come. That we're just listening to the rules of the taskmaster in the sky, thinking that he's going to do good stuff for my life if I come to church. Yes, God wants you in church. Yes, God wants you in the word. Yes, he wants you in healthy community. Yes, he wants you in prayer. All these things happen. Somebody told me that uh, I don't have to come to church because God knows my heart. And my response was, he wants you in church because he knows your heart, right? Like, you're a mess. You need to come. You need to be here and hear the word of God. But if we have not experienced this, if we would never speak that affectionately about God our Father, if, if you don't get like a huge smile on your face or maybe some tears in your eyes or maybe butterflies in your stomach or maybe goosebumps on your arms or something, when you hear this, I'm wondering, have you really heard this? Have you really heard the best news ever that you were at war with God and he gave his son so you didn't have to fight anymore so that you could be at peace with God and have granted access, no more access denied and that suffering would not be something that you think is a punishment anymore. The devil has been using suffering to trick humanity forever saying, oh, I'm having a bad day. God must not love me. False. God abuses evil by taking suffering and turning it into hope. God abuses evil by taking suffering and turning it into hope. So have you been made completely new or have you only been made new-ish? Only you can answer this in your heart. The final brand new benefit that we're going to look at today as the worship team comes back up to the stage of God's salvation for sinners like you and I is that Jesus' death reconciled us and his life will get us home. His death is the thing that made us right with God and his life is the thing that's going to be our ticket into heaven forever with God. This passage just continues to get better and better. And as Paul is writing, uh, just as a, a quick reminder, what's your homework to read? Well done. Some good students. we got a couple good students here. Some people were like, homework? I haven't been listening since the beginning. What are you talking about, right? Read Romans 1 through 5. This passage continues to get better and better. Paul's almost in disbelief as he writes this, right? He's like, somebody would even consider dying for a good person, maybe a righteous person uh, somebody might die for, but God sent his son to die for me while I was still weak, ungodly, and while I was still a sinner? Like, I can't even believe this. Paul is, he, he's entertaining this scenario as he's going through this. And what we need to memorize, highlight, figure, write it on your refrigerator, do, put it somewhere, is that God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ 
died for us. Just like Dana said uh, in the song before and after, you don't have to fix it before you get to God because you never will. You don't have to get it all together. I've heard so many times, Pastor, I'll come back to church. I just got to get a few things together in my life. I'm like, I'll see you when I see you. God will draw you when it's time, but you're not going to fix them. We can't fix our lives. You cannot fix yourself, friend. So what we have to understand here, beloved, God only saves bad people. Now, we need to get to why is this refreshing or why is this offensive? It's refreshing because bad people are the only people that exist. Because sinners are the only type of people that exist. It's offensive because if you think you're good, Christ has nothing to offer you. If you think you're good, Jesus doesn't even have anything for you in your mind. You're like, I don't want that. I don't need that. I don't need this God that's going to uh, bring suffering to my life. I don't, I'm not interested in any of that. You can keep all that. Give me a break. I don't need that. I heard a, a pastor in San Diego said, the majority of people want the glory but don't want to go through the story right? That we all want the glory, but we don't want to go through the story that we have to go through to get there. It's an already not yet kingdom of heaven that God came, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to say, I'm declaring you righteous forever, but it's going to take you a minute to get here. It's an already not yet kingdom. Paul uses this word boast three times here. This is what we're going to land on today. He uses the word boast three times in verses 2, 3, and 11. And it's translated to rejoice every time that we see it here in Romans 5. And it makes perfect sense that boasting and rejoicing are found translated as the same word in this type of text. Because the things that you boast in, you're going to rejoice in. The things you're happy about are the things you're going to boast about. But if you are boasting about your goodness, about your strength, about your fitness, about your degrees, about your money in the bank, about your outfit, about your drip for the kids, right? A couple of you get it. I, I, he just did it. Thank you. That is exactly it. He went like this, right? That is exactly the move, right? If we're boasting about this, then we missed it. Then Jesus doesn't even have anything for us anyway because we think we got it together already. This is why it's refreshing to understand that God only saves bad people. This is why it's refreshing to see the Apostle Paul saying, I am going to boast and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I'm going to boast and rejoice in my suffering, verse 3. And I'm going to boast and rejoice in God through Jesus Christ. This is where all my joy comes from. This is where all my boasting comes from. This is where all my celebration comes from. From God through Jesus because I've been justified through faith. So has your boasting in the things of this world ceased or are you continuing to do it in your own strength because at just the right time Christ saw me as weak and he said that's when I want you I want you when you're your weakest I want you when you're ungodly I want you when you're still a sinner because that's the only way you're going to figure out how bad you need me that's the only way you're going to figure out how much I matter to your life but if we haven't hit rock bottom yet, chances are you haven't experienced the endless love of God poured into your heart yet. If you're not experiencing any excitement, it's not because the preaching's bad. It's the word of God and your heart. That's it. It doesn't matter who's standing between you and the word of God. If the word of God, especially in Romans 5, doesn't get you at least a little bit excited, you need to do some work with your Savior.
You may need to meet your Savior and not just come to church and hope things are going to get better. So if you see yourself as good or sufficient or impressed by your own accomplishments, then this message is going to be offensive to you, only offensive to you. When I say God only saves bad people, you're like, I'm straight. I don't need that. I'm checking out. No, thank you. But if you see yourself as somebody who says to the phrase, God only saves bad people, where you say, yes, that's me. I can't do it by myself. I'm sick of trying by myself. I'm sick of losing the war with my sin and the displeasure of God. I'm sick of feeling like I'm outside, on the outside looking in. I'm sick of feeling like I've got to be mad about my suffering and I've got to point the finger at somebody for my suffering and I'm never going to make it on my own. If you're sick of that, then just give up. Give up and say, Jesus, I need you. Throw your hands in the air and say, Jesus, I need you because I can't do it by myself. Throw yourself into the loving arms of God today where the righteousness of Christ can cover you from the wrath of God because it is coming one day. There will be a day where God's wrath is going to be fully poured out on sin and it already happened on the cross if you will accept it by faith. But there's coming another day where if you're not covered by the righteousness of Christ, you're going to see just how badly you're going to lose the war you're at with God. So brothers and sisters, it's not my job to convince you today. It's my job to tell you the truth. And your homework is to read the truth for yourself, Romans 1 through 5, so that you can come back next week and we can pick up in verse 12 and you can come with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind that this is available to us as we are going to be in the book of Romans, which is exploding with truth and glory for our lives. It's going to take us all the way to the month of December. So do some work in your own heart. Do some work in your Bibles never experienced this kind of affection for God, if you've never experienced this kind of love, if you feel like, man, I don't, even, I don't have any idea what that man is talking about up there, can we please talk after service? Talk to somebody that starts crying during worship. Talk to somebody that has their hands in the air and they're waving them like they just don't care. Talk to somebody who is singing louder than you think they should be and say, like, what are you singing about? What? You don't even sound good. And they'll say, someone loves my voice. And as we sing this song called Yahweh, we're going to sing to the someone who knows and loves your voice. We're going to sing to the someone who has poured out love into your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. So friends, today I'm going to pray for us right now, and we're going to end in a celebratory worship and praise. And if you don't know if you've got something to celebrate for, look at somebody next to you who's celebrating like crazy. Look at somebody next to you that looks like a maniac, right? Because these are the type of people that have an enthusiasm unknown to mankind about Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, who has poured love into our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Justification by faith through Christ alone is the only way we can experience this. So Father, I say thank you today. Thank you for the love that you have shown us. Thank you for the love that you have poured out. Thank you for the way that you have cared for us, the way that you have shown me how wicked and wretched and desperate I was as a sinner, as your enemy, apart from you, and at just the right time. Jesus, you saved my life. At just the right time, God, you sent your son, and he's available to us right now. So we say thank you. We praise you, and as we stand to our feet, 
as we've perhaps been reserving a hallelujah for our Father, reserving a hallelujah for our Savior. I pray that as we say yes and amen, that we would let out a shout of praise saying hallelujah to the one who has saved us, hallelujah to the one who looked at me while I was still a sinner and said I want him, to the one who looked at my life and said when the world said there's nothing worth saving there, I want him and I want her and I want that one because my glory can be made manifest in their life and people will see just how much they need my saving grace and just how good God our Father is by sending his son Jesus to die for us at just the right time. So Yahweh, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, and we want to give you all our worship, all our glory, all our honor, all our praise right now as we sing to you, our Father in heaven. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and we shout hallelujah and amen to you. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.